What's up, everybody? It's Andrea. Today, we are so excited to meet the Exocomps. We let you know what we do after hours, and we ask the question, what can't you use Exocomps for? All that and more. Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today we're talking Season 6, Episode 9, The Quality of Life. This episode was written by Naren Shankar and directed by Jonathan Frakes. So last week, A Fistful of Datas was directed by Patrick Stewart, and this week is Jonathan Frakes. I love it. I was kind of hoping that next week's might be like Gates McFadden or Marina Sirtis mm-hmm. or Michael Dorn or some one of the other key <laughs> cast members. Yeah, I don't but know. I thought if, this was really fun. I don't know if they directed. I know Jonathan Frakes did and and uh, I was going to say Picard and Sir Patrick Stewart did. Um, yeah. And I feel like maybe LeVar Burton did, but I don't I don't know if the other cast members did. We'll find out as we finish the season. So this is going to be fun. By the way, as an aside, LeVar Burton, that man ages like a fine wine. Oh my gosh. Yes. God, the entire cast just still looks so incredible. All of them do. They all look mm-hmm. amazing. Amazing. I wish I had the jeans for that. Oh my gosh. They really do. Anyway. They do. They do. I completely agree. Um, with this episode today, I am super excited and I know you are less than excited. So I'm interested to see <laughs> how, like how our teardown of this episode goes, but I'm really excited about this one because I just love the idea of what is life. So whenever they ask that question on the show, I am there for it. I am all about it. Like whether it's sentient yeah. sand or a giant snowflake sentient in space, sand. I'm like, <laughs> I'm here for it. Like, how is that? Is it alive? How do we treat it since it's alive? Does it have the same rights? Like all these questions I think are really fascinating. And this is another one of those episodes, which I, I love. Um, and I, I actually think about this episode quite often just because I think about that idea of what is life and with our technology Mm -hmm. becoming more and more smart or more and more capable of kind of anticipating Mm -hmm. our needs and whatnot. This seems more plausible than the sentient sand and giant snowflake, right? Like this idea of a tool evolving accidentally to become conscious life form seems very probable. Um, And I was really delighted to see the exocomps make a comeback in Laura Dex. I 100% agree with you. I really do think the exocomps are so freaking adorable. And um, in this week's, uh, one of the Instagram posts that I put up on our account at the TNG podcast, it's um, Data who's like tinkering because, you know, when he's like doing running tests and stuff Mm -hmm. on the exocomp. And I think the caption was something along the lines of like, Data was just jealous. (laughs) It's like, but I was like, and can you blame him? I mean, look at it. It's adorable. Or I did something like, I think I did an ode to Spot, but it was an ode to Exocomp. <laughs> and I think I took the lyrics from that viral song, It's Corn. It has the yeah, lump it's got with the knobs. Juice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I put that as an ode to Exocomp <laughs> or something like that, where it's like, he's he's jealous, but can you blame him? Like, look how cute the Exocomps are. You know, that, yeah. that reminds me of like the R2-D2 versus BB-8. Like, R2-D2 mm. is just a beautiful, beautiful machine, but BB-8 is so cute. It's just like, yes. oh, look at this little, or like baby Yoda or something you, where you're like, oh, how do you cutify Yoda? a robot? Yes. And you make it small and portable. Yes. And you make it do really cute sounds and you make it, dare I say, precocious. And it's like the <laughs> cutest thing. It really, I don't understand how they do it, but yes. Magic. My initial thoughts. Okay. So here's the plot of this episode for those who have maybe not forgotten because the quality of life 
could mean anything. Yeah. In this episode, Data discovers a group of robots called exocomps that he believes qualifies as life forms. So that becomes the like, are they alive? What is life? If they are alive, they're no longer tools, you know, stuff like that. Um, it reminds me a lot of the episode of that. Um, is it the sentient sand where the where that one doctor he goes into like the weapons room and shoots a whole panel of these like yeah. sentient mm-hmm. electrical things? Was it the sentient sand? I think so. Yeah. Is that okay? It reminded me of that where it's like robots that are alive in some way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, my initial thoughts on this episode are the exocomps are adorable, but there isn't that much else that I remember about this episode. That's really um, the big I'm idea. You remembered the most important part. Yeah, the exocomps. <laughs> that's kind like, of it. They're freaking yeah. cute. I think I want. I I would. If I could buy an exocomp item, it would be a little enamel pin of an exocomp because they're just the cutest damn little thing. <laughs> they're so cute. I could not agree more. I was like, I want an exocomp, not to use or abuse, as t- as stated in this episode. But I was just like, <laughs> just to have it because, like, when you open it, it looks really cool. And I was like, maybe you could put something in it, like. Maybe it could hold jewelry or something. I don't know. I cannot think of a function girl. for it. But imagine, so imagine a Star Trek cosplay with an exocomp as a purse. <laughs> oh, that's genius. There we go. It, there now, it now is. Now I know where, okay. there it is. There it is. Okay. okay. So now we got to open up our exocomp uh, lab and start cranking on that. All right. Let's jump into this episode. Um, this gives us a little bit more of the like slice of life that I love to see. And we saw a lot of slice of life last week. And I was really happy that it was kind of coming through again this week so it's nice to see the poker game is still happening this i was so excited about this opening scene and here's why have you seen on social media the like drake like yes no meme and then somebody made it a tng one where jordy is going like no to something and yes to something else Mm -hmm. it's from this scene where he has the beard and they're talking about beards you know beverly's like i feel like a beard is an affectation like there's nothing right. wrong with that like women wear makeup and, the men and jewelry are very and stuff. argumentative like, about that point they're like no beards are. are a symbol they are a symbol of of dignification and of of just significance <laughs> and of value and she's like i mm-hmm. think it's just to look cute and that's okay because women like to look cute too and they're like, like How we dare literally you, beverly? poke holes <laughs> we as a culture poke holes in our ears causing permanent damage in the lobe in order for us to hang little bits of metal and plastic and wood <laughs> from our lobes and it's earrings. And when you say it like that, it sounds really weird. But when you're like earrings, I'm like, oh yeah, I have like a hundred pair of earrings. I love earrings, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's just think about that's kind of the same thing. So I love how they make this yeah. little bet. Beverly's like, okay, if I win this hand of poker, you guys have to shave your beard off, right? All and, three and, of them, which I loved. Riker, and, Jordy, and, I mean, and Worf. And Worf would never. I feel like Worf would be like, mm, I he, would not agree. Yeah, with this. he was the one person who was like, mm, I don't know about taking this bet. The other two were like, deal. <laughs> and he was like, ah, wait a minute. Which I was like, Riker, do you really want to go back to the baby face? Because you've come that? so far and you're so hot with the beard. Like, just come on, give the people what they want. Just so they're like, okay, an Beverly. So you can keep it. <laughs> just be wrong so you could look so, so right with that beard. <laughs> but. They were like, okay, Beverly, we'll take you up on that bet. But if you lose, what happens to you? And she's like, well, I'm open to suggestions, which I was like, oh, she's gone to the Captain Picard college of mm-hmm. asking for options. I was like, very good. And they're like, you know, Riker's like, I've always kind of wanted to see you as a brunette. And she's like, oh, I did that it, like in high school. And like, it lasted about two minutes. I couldn't get rid of it fast enough. And he's like, even better. So they're playing this game. And as they're throwing down the cards, 
they continue to argue about this beard thing. And that's when Jordy gives us the famous like, yes and no like mm-hmm. meme. And I'm so thankful. So this week on our Instagram at the TNG podcast, I have made a episode appropriate <laughs> meme of Jordy for this. And I think you'll appreciate it. I feel like that's the most famous like TNG meme. Yeah, is that I have one? used it. I have used it a bunch of times, but considering it's specifically from this week's episode, so I was like, "Oh, come on!" Like, I have to use it. <laughs> and I found a couple scenes that I was like, "Oh, this is too good. This is too good." So I'm very excited for you guys to check it out. It's out now at the TNG podcast. All right, so they make this bet, but the captain calls and you know calms all the senior officers, and so basically they're all saved by the bell. And Beverly's like, wait, but what about the bet? Hold on, let's just call the let's cards. Let's just turn real quick. the cards over. And they're like, let's no, turn no, the no, cards. no. Sorry, sorry, Beverly. Duty calls. Duty yeah. calls. I was uh, like, duty mm. calls. And she was like, oh, come on. Oh. And I was like, Bev, I really feel your pain on this one because I would have been like, nobody moves until you show me cards. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was great. That was the great amount of tension because I wanted to know who was going to win the bet. And I could never and I couldn't remember. I was like, who does win this bet? And right, they're like, because this one, this mm-hmm. one isn't that memorable for me. So I was like, wait, does Beverly run around as a brunette? Does Jordy lose his beard? I don't remember. And then it was like all senior officers. I was like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing up. to remember. So <sighs> Picard calls everybody they quickly in the game and Riker can't get out of there fast enough because he was not trying to go back to instant baby face or whatever they used to call him <laughs> and they we we I come like upon this um station the space station that has mm-hmm. a tyron particle fountain which looks so dope it's just like this big laser drill going down onto this planet that also is- particle fountain cool new term Yes. Totally cool new term. Yes. Yeah. Particle. They use particle fountain a few times in Voyager. I don't know if they use it anymore in TNG, but every time you, every time I hear it, it's just as dope as the first time. And then you, and then you see it, and you're like, "Yep, that's the particle fountain, all right." <laughs> it totally that's tracks, array, all right? right? It totally <laughs> tracks. You're like, "That's." I didn't picture anything until I saw that, and that is exactly what a particle fountain yes. should it's look like, like. It's like when somebody introduces <laughs> you to their baby or something, and you're like, "This is this is baby Molly," and you're like, "Of course it is." There's no other name for this baby. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that, where it's just like, I don't know what I was expecting, but that that perfectly, perfectly tracked. Yeah. And that's part of what makes TNG just so freaking great yeah everything tracks it's amazing this episode is really heavy on sci-fi but in a cool way it's it's heavy on sci-fi in the technology area as opposed to in the alien space battles area yes i appreciate yes which i mentioned last week with a fistful of data is like it wasn't very sciencey but it was heavy on like fun story and Mm -hmm. this one sort of seems like a flip this is heavy on science less like there's no fun story no it's not it's not campy there's there's it's not campy it's not fun it's not any of those things, but it is like just science, which is fun in its in its own way. Yes, for us as scientists, is it's a different kind of fun. Um, yeah. So, so we find it's out- like an abacus arithmetic kind of fun. <laughs> it's like a lift up your suspenders <laughs> and push up your glasses kind of fun. Yes. Um, <laughs> the kind that we love to have. A hundred percent. How we have fun. <laughs> this is how. Sh- if anybody wants to know what Sharice and I do after hours. It's equations. <laughs> it's, it's actually not. It's, it's not solving. But, formulas. but we could. We could. We totally could, and we would get them correct. Um, yeah, we would. Um, so we come to this particle fountain. And it's a new mining technology. So it's drilling into this planet, and it's pulling up whatever they're trying to mine. 
But the thing is, is that, which we never find out, and it doesn't matter, but Starfleet is thinking about using this kind of technology on some random planets. Yeah. So they're kind of seeing how was this going? Like, what's going on here? Is this something we could use? Turns out this project has just been plagued with problem after problem after problem after problem. We don't know why. We never find out why. But just everything goes wrong every time you turn around. But it also tracks perfectly because that's how new science works. You know, and at one point, um, Dr. Fairlawn is like, this is, this is, you know, some other unexpected hurdle that we're facing, but I'm certain it's going to be the last problem. She says that at some point later. And I was like, girl, you haven't been in science very long, apparently, because <laughs> or she's it's just literally delusional. Every, every problem is the last know, problem. Yes. I, I guess, you know, it just, it's science. New science is like Murphy's law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And yeah, if you think it's going to take you six months and a and a hundred grand to launch this program, it's going to take you 18 months and 300 grand. You need to triple your estimates on everything and you're still not going to be like close. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. she's she is an expert in wishful thinking. So as yeah. Jordy's talking to her, like, okay, what's up? What's going on? She's like, okay, you know, we've had some problems, but don't worry. It's all going to, this problem is going to be the last problem. And as she's saying those words, as they're coming yeah. out of her mouth, something crazy happens. Things start shutting down. The whole station's mm-hmm. going to explode. Every two seconds, the whole station's going to explode. It sure so, will. So at this point, Jordy's like, uh-oh, you know, Data's like, do you guys need assistance? And Data's like, well, the whole place is going to blow in about five minutes. So maybe. <laughs> but Dr. Farallon, yes. who's the the doc, the scientist that um, Jordy's kind of working with, says, this is what I wanted to show you a minute ago. And I think this is going to solve this particular problem. And she mm-hmm. pulls out what we later find out is called an exocomp and yes. puts it into a plasma conduit. And it goes down, it seals the breach, it fixes everything. And all the power returns to normal. And it happens within like 60 seconds, which is pretty good considering they only had five minutes to evacuate or actually to shut down the entire project shut down the particle stream to stop you know an explosion or whatever was going to happen yep but dr farallon was very hesitant to do that because it took them four months to get it running at the efficiency it's running at now so she was like if we shut it down we're going to be four more months behind to just get back to this point let alone actually moving past this point so the hundred percent are like magic they solve the problem so quickly so next thing you know, Jordy is bringing Dr. Farallon and one of the exocomps back to the ship to analyze the bejesus out of it to figure out what is this technology. And in fact, this seems a lot cooler than the particle fountain, honestly. Like, let's look into this technology. Yeah, yes. Because the particle fountain is like, cool, it's some sort of mining or drilling operation. We've seen that a bunch before. Usually it has deleterious effects on the planet below, but like, it's nothing new, but these exocomps, this is totally new. Totally this new. This is totally new. And Jordy like, mentions this that is too. where, like, we're going to reroute our funding from this fucking particle yes. fountain to like the exocomps, like exactly. immediately. Exactly. It's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. uh, they um they come to the transporter room and Data's there and Dr. Farallon is just totally obsessed and he's she's picking Data's brain about every single little thing and they go walking off to engineering and Jordy's falling behind them like the really slow like rhino in Jumanji like no one's paying any attention <laughs> to him so he just comes <laughs> trotting along in the back and they go and they start to look at the exocomp now this is the scene in engineering when you see the inside of the exocomp when I just fell in love. I was like, I want one of these. This is so cool. It's got I the know, little lines I and, know. The, and the buttons and the colors. And it just looks, it looks really cool. It does all of the things. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a, I mean, it looks plastic and spray paint or whatever, but it looks amazingly cool and something I could not have thought of creating from my brain. So I absolutely want one of those. 
Okay, well, I have another thought, all right? This is anybody out there who wants to just take this idea and run, which will be nobody, but still. Uh, one, exocomp purse as part of a, like, sci-fi uh, costume, but two, an exocomp that sits, a small one that sits on your nightstand, and it's a projector, and it projects, like, stars <gasps> at night as a nightlight. See? Whoa. I have all the ideas, and I don't know how to make those things Or happen. just a projector yeah. that just projects movies and stuff. But yes. you, put, you put a case around the projector that looks like a giant exocomp. The projector oh my sits inside. God. <laughs> now it has a function. Okay. I'm okay. Genius. Now, okay. $350 add to cart. I don't have the money. No, I don't know where the money's going to come from, but add to cart anyway. <laughs> Just spend anyway, the cart. Yes. Just <laughs> and stare at it longingly. All right. So, yeah, this power, like, you know, this exocomp, like, fixed the power malfunction like they were losing containment everything was fixed so it's like cool okay let's learn more about this thing and as they start to break it down dr Farallon also by the way is a major fan of lieutenant commander data she knows like everything about him she's asking him all these cool questions i was like hell yeah okay like this girl is out here like knowing her stuff like good for you now as they kind of break this down um Data asks some questions. He's like, wait a minute. So what you're basically saying is this is a self-learning, it's a smart device. It learns and adapts. And now these pieces are starting to fall into place for Data, which is like, there's something beyond just being like a tricorder doesn't learn and adapt. You know what I mean? Or a Mm -hmm. hypospray or something else. So Mm -hmm. it's like, there's something else about this. Yeah. So that's what makes these tools like special is the fact that they can learn and adapt. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, I think that, so I think that comes up a little bit later. We see how that plays out. But here, Dr. Farallon takes the idea of the exocomp to Picard and says, look, I know we're behind schedule and all this stuff. Can you just give me 48 hours before you Mm -hmm. give your report? Because I think that we can actually move this project right along. We can get the entire thing up and running at full power within 48 hours if we use our exocomp. So we've been using, Mm -hmm. you know, really slow humans and humanoid analog aliens but if we could use these machines we could do it in no time and so picard's like i don't know what do you think jordy what do you think data they're both like thumbs up boss so they're like (laughs) okay cool i see i see no downside in this like the only risk is falling farther behind and you're already behind so they're like cool let's do that next thing you know we're back in the space station in the in the station and Mm -hmm. um and Data's kind of appraising his experience with the exocomp. And he's like, I've already yeah. done 14 tasks in two hours with this exocomp. And that would normally take two people nine hours. So this is incredible. Like the potential of these yes. exocomps to dramatically decrease workload is incredible. And because they're so small and portable, they can get to all these little nooks and crannies mm-hmm. that other people can't. And they have this particle replicator on the ed- on the outside of them where they can create any tool that's needed at any time for any yes. thing, which is the it dopest feels, thing ever. It, it is. I mean, that is like the coolest thing about the exocomps, in my opinion. It feels a little bit like late later model, like R2-D2, that has like all these little tools. He's, yeah. he's a little bit like a like a Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the tool, you don't have it. But the exocomps can make it. And mm-hmm. if you think about the exocomp in terms of production time or like down that production line, mm-hmm. this is the first generation exocomp. You can make them smaller and better and more compact. Because even still, it's kind of like a kind of like carrying like a yeah. cat around. It's still like it's fairly like a, it's bulky. It's a purse size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a big purse size or something or like a laptop bag size, right? But like you can make, you know, fifth generation exocomp could be like the size of a teacup and literally go anywhere. Like it'd be amazing. Yeah. Now, as as they're getting through this work really quickly, 
Um, Dr. Fairlawn's, um puts in a command for the exocomp to go into one of the plasma conduits and do, and do some work. And it goes into the plasma conduit and then it comes out and then it will not go back in. And she's like, what is going on with this? And she's working this data pad and it like short circuits. And she's like, ah, okay. And as they're wondering, like she and Data are sitting there being like, what is wrong with the exocomp right now? As they're wondering this, an explosion blows through the conduit that the exocomp would have been in mm-hmm. and it would have been destroyed. And so it's like, oh my God, thank God it's short circuited because it would have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And that's another part of the puzzle. Like, did it short circuit or did it? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they take the exocomp back to engineering and they're doing a bunch of scans to see what went wrong with it. And um, Jordy and Data discover that it's created more neural pathways. It's increased the neural pathways by like 640% during that very last situation. And so she goes, oh, no. Oh, no. And they're like, what? What's wrong with that? She's like, yeah, this happens sometimes. Randomly, they Mm -hmm. form all these new pathways that don't do anything. I don't know why they're there. And then they stop responding and they don't want to listen anymore. So the only thing you can do is completely erase them, reset them. And start over. Yeah. Factory reset. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. She's like, it's just been corrupted. It happens sometimes. But data does point out like these new pathways aren't seeming to like interrupt at all. Like the command pathways and all of that stuff. All of it's like functional functionality. That's. Thank you. I was like, functionability is not a word, but it sounds sounds like it could be. Anyway. Yeah. It's not affecting its functionality in any way. So why don't we just leave it for now? And she's like, well, I don't have time to wipe it anyway. So whatever. You yeah. Know. So you hang on to that one. I need to get back to work. But she was yeah. like, but trust me, this has happened many, many, many times. And they always just yes. have to be deleted because she's saying, even though nothing seems wrong circuit wise, they stop responding. It's going to get, it's going to get like tricky. It's going to start fritzing. Well, yeah. she just said it does it stops. They stop responding. So you cannot yeah, use it anymore. Responding. So it's just going to be a really, yeah, a really like paperweight. paperweight. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah. Stops yeah. So she's like, you have to erase it or it just doesn't do anything. But thankfully she leaves it. So data is kind of like, hmm, you know, tinkering with it. And Jordy's like running some last scans and starts to unplug it and stuff. And then he's just like, man, it seems like that exocomp knew exactly when to leave one more second in there. It would have exploded or whatever. And data's like, wait a minute, Jordy, are you saying the exocomp did that on purpose. And Jordy's like, yeah. of course not. Like, it's just a yeah. saying, of course I'm not saying that. And he just walks away yeah. and Dana's like, wait a minute. Yes. But what now, if? <laughs> yes. Now this is where he takes the exocomp to his quarters and starts running diagnostics. Um, he finds really strangely that the interface circuitry, um, which responded to the command pad had that like had been blown out, has been self-repaired. So the exocomp, for some reason, burned its own interface circuitry and then repaired itself two hours later. Like, what is going on here? Um, and while that's happening, Jordy goes to 10 Ford and finds Dr. Farallon and she's having a break and having a cup of tea. And she's like, I just want a minute to breathe before I kind of like jump back into the craziness of like this, try, these science deadlines and mm-hmm. this pressure and trying to get it all through, you know, and we see that she's very ambitious. She's very determined. And this is her life's work. And I got to say, I really appreciated this scene. Mm-hmm. And here's why, because usually in shows like this and others, the the like scientist who's like overly ambitious or doesn't know when to stop is usually portrayed by a man. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate that like they understand that like women scientists can be just as ambitious and yeah. like they can be portrayed in the same way too. And I was like, I have worked in science. We both have worked in science. And when you're up against deadlines, it's like, yeah, everything in your life has to stop until you get through those deadlines. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's just the name of the game. And that's just one of the unfortunate parts of it. Right. And I love that it wasn't like a man who's like, I'll stop at nothing. Like it's a female scientist who's like, I'll stop at nothing. And I was like, yes, I'm not saying that's super healthy, but I'm glad that they gave this role to a woman scientist because lazy casting could have just given it to a man and it yeah. would have just been one of millions, you know? Right. It, re- it really would have. We like, would, we would have yeah. been like, oh, this is just like that other episode and that other episode mm-hmm. and that other episode instead of it. Exactly. Kind of feet. I also appreciate that she says, you know what? I was trying to move too fast. I'm just uh, like, this is my life's work. I will do whatever it takes to prove this technology. But I was pushing too hard and moving too fast. And that's why things didn't work out. But I'm going to keep going. So I love that she does have this self-reflective part of her that says, yeah, maybe it's not ready, but we don't know that for sure yet. (laughs) Like, I'm going to take this to the last second of the 48 hours just to just get as close as we can just to make extra so yeah i'm not yeah. i'm not gonna quit you know but she's also like i realize that i'm pushing the envelope and she and she says a lot of the same same things of like i'm always ahead of the curve i'm always out on the edges i'm always doing something that's kind of far out there so i realize that i'm on the fringes but i also realize the potential of this and it's really yeah. amazing because she's obsessed with this particle fountain and the exocomps are like a thousand times cooler and it's like, I know. Yeah. It's like, I don't I'm know. like, it's a, dr- it's a laser drill. It's a cool laser I drill. Have, don't I, get me I wrong. feel like we, don't get me wrong. It is cool. But like, we saw laser drills in like season one, girl. Exocomps are the new hotness. Okay. Let's focus <laughs> on that because that's where, that is going to be the big breakthrough. And not that money is what makes the world go round, but money makes the world go round. And that is where you're going to get that funding. <laughs> That's where you're going to get that yes, funding because this more is, science. This is so usable. Like how many people need to mine stuff right this second? But how many, yeah. pe- how many starships does Starfleet have? And how many could use an exocomp? Like just the usefulness of it. How many could it? use like a fleet of exocomps that all have little hatches in the wall? You know, you have like five on each deck that can mm-hmm. do shit. And when there's some kind of battle in space all the little exocomps come out and they start repairing the hole and putting up four kind of like the borg but like see that's yeah. what i'm talking about here we are and they make really cool night lights you and know? projectors probably and, and and purses and projectors yeah so it's like there's find something that an exocomp couldn't be good at you know what i mean yeah. like come on anyway data goes into sick bay because now he's really wondering about like this whole are they alive or, or was this self-preservation? Like what's going on? And we find Worf and Beverly in there and Beverly, they're both wearing like their Tai Chi, like their geese. Mm-hmm. And she's injured herself practicing the batleth with Worf as her teacher. And she's got this big old gash and she's doing some sort of, you know, Star Trek medical stuff and mm-hmm. light, you know, blue lighting it away. And I just really love, again, another lovely slice of life. And I love to think of Beverly, not only as the flagship, chief medical officer but she's so involved in like ship life like mm-hmm. plays and and musicals and klingon tai chi and batleth training and like i just love how many interests she has mm-hmm. and that makes me happy because sometimes with shows like this you know it's nice where we see it a little bit with like picard as well because sometimes picard can be so consumed with his yeah kind of duties that you're like mm-hmm. buddy like there's more to life so yeah they gave him some horseback riding and some archaeology and a little bit of romance so it's like thank you like it just makes the character more well-rounded and i I really love that. And Data says, Doctor, what is the definition of life? And she's like, oh, <laughs> that's a biggie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as far as she's aware, life is what enables plants and animals to consume food, derive energy from it, grow, adapt themselves to their surroundings, and reproduce. And Data's like, well, by your definition, fire is alive. Like, it can reproduce, it can grow, you know, it consumes fuel. And she's like, yeah, see, that's the thing, though. Scientists and philosophers have been struggling with the definition of life 
for millennia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and he's like, well, what about me? Like, I don't reproduce. I don't grow. I don't consume food. And she's like, but you're special. Yeah. And he says, but I know that I'm considered to be alive. Like, I am considered to be alive, even though I don't fit any of those definitions, which I thought was really interesting because being a a science teacher, um, I remember teaching this this college biology class one time about the six, six characteristics of living things. And one of the questions from the textbook was, is a copy machine a living thing? Because it uses energy in the form of electricity. It makes copies, et cetera, et cetera. And it just spurned this whole debate. Also, my class was really challenged with with the idea of dead living things. So if I would say like, you know, the the definition of biotic versus abiotic. So if I would yes. say a dinosaur, is that biotic yes. or abiotic? Like dinosaur bones, mm. the dinosaur has been dead forever. And they're like, shoot, I don't know because it's dead. And I'm like, but was it alive? And they're like, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's not anymore. So now it's not a living thing. It's like, it's a dead living it's, thing. It's a dead yeah. living thing, right? Which doesn't, which is crazy. Yeah. So this question is complicated, even if we're not talking about the philosophical ideologies. Yes. It's just, it's a big question. It's a, it's a really interesting question. I love having this conversation. And I really appreciate that in it, Beverly was just like, I can't really answer this satisfactorily, but that's okay because mm-hmm. people have been trying to answer it for centuries and have not done it satisfactorily. But the point is for that millennia. we ask the question that we have the struggle. That's what matters. And that's kind of yes. what makes us human. So Dana's like, yeah, perfect. That was super helpful. And I was like, was it? But I guess it was. <laughs> I guess it was helpful enough to him to like go on with his like query about the exocomps. Um, so he, he ends up, it ends up giving him apparently enough information that he needed because he beams over to the particle fountain and immediately asked Dr. Farallon to stop using the exocomps because he has reason to believe that the exocomps are alive. And Dr. Farallon is not having it with this. She is extremely upset because now not only is she in a time crunch, but you're taking time away from this fountain shenanigan to like have to answer these like bigger questions that can't be answered just in like a quick little 15 minute meeting. you're taking away her exocomps, which were her secret sauce to allow her to get this done in 48 hours instead of four more months. 100%. So she's super upset because she's losing her most valuable asset. And Data believes that the exocomp um, that was to be sent into the plasma conduit. It refused to go in once it detected that the conduit had that microfracture, which was bound to cause a containment explosion. So it leaving and then refusing to go back in was an act of self-preservation. And when Dr. Farallon tried to override the exocomp and send it back into the tunnel, it deliberately burned out its own interface. And then two hours later, when it was back on the enterprise and out of danger, it repaired its own interface. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm sure there are a bunch of other explanations of like why that might have happened. But listen, Data makes a very compelling mm-hmm. case. And I love that Picard is like, look, our mission is to explore and seek out new life. So if the possibility exists even a little bit that the exocomps are alive, we must proceed with the investigation. And Dr. Farallon is super pissed that now we have yeah, to stop everything. She's mad for all the all the reasons we said before because this is her yeah. life's ambition and they're like cutting her off at the knees basically when she thought she solved the problem. They're like, "No, you cannot use any of those solutions." And she's like, "How dare you?" And Troy yeah. asks her, "Why are you so defensive about this whole situation? Why are you so unwilling to believe that they could be alive when you are literally talking to a living machine right now in front of you?" And yeah. she was like, "I have the utmost respect for Dr. Soon's work. Um Data's amazing." It, and she point, but she points out, um, I, Dr. Soon was trying to create life. I was not, I was trying to create a tool and there is a big difference between data and a tool. Those are not the same. 
And that was a really good point. And, you know, data just brings up the point that, yeah, you may have created them to be tools, but they've evolved into something more. Mm -hmm. And I think it's inappropriate to exploit them for labor without their consent if they are sentient life forms. And it's like, that's a good point. You know, so you're looking back and forth like, oh, what do we do in this situation? It feels feels like a tennis match where you're like looking at one party Mm -hmm. and looking at the other responding. You're like, that's a good point. Oh, that's also a good point. Oh, but they also countered with this other good point. So- Dr. Fairlawn is like, I wouldn't ask Dr. Crusher to like stop using a tricorder. And Beverly's like, well, tricorders are not alive. And Dr. Fairlawn's, she's like, well, neither are exocomps. She's so (laughs) effing mad that she has to explain it to these lunatics who thinks that her tools are alive. And she's like, what are we even talking about? Like, what nonsense is this? But you know what? They were like, hey, um, Jordy was like, listen, if the exocomp was trying to save its own life before, Maybe we should set up an experiment in which it appears that the exocomp is in danger again and see how it responds. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. Let's do that. So they (laughs) throw the exocomp into a Jeffrey's tube and they create a small conduit breach for it to see what the exocomp will do. And it's a synthetic conduit breach. So they they create some kind of problem that the exocomp needs to solve. And at the same time, there's some kind of critical, you know, conduit breach, just like what happened in the original situation. Yeah, it's all simulated. So that... um, they're kind of redesigning the same the same situation that happened before, but it's mm-hmm. all synthetic. It's all simulated. So they're like, it's cool. all simulated. What I thought was annoying in this scene is that they had the exocomp go into this like 30 feet long freaking corridor to go and fix this thing to do this test. And I was like, couldn't they have just done it like two feet away? What difference would it make? You know what? You're right. I did think that the CGI of the exocomp, because, you know, it can kind of float. Yeah. How it like floated away and it got smaller and smaller. I was like, that's really nice CGI. It looks like really realistic. That's cute. I also really love that Picard is on hand for this experiment because he's like, if we are finding new life form, like I, it's enough. It's important enough for me to get out of my captain's chair and come and see for myself. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It like went so freaking far away that you're like, okay, so if the exocomp does not come back, it could be because it got damaged somewhere. Like we don't have eyes on the yeah. exocomp anymore. Like, and there's yeah, no it camera could have just been in like there. Five That's... feet down the Jeffries too. Yeah, that is where I'm going to call BS on them as scientists. This was a poor experiment if they could not see the experiment take place. <laughs> like it's yes. all simulated. They could have simulated a breach two feet away from them instead of like thirty feet down the they corridor sure and make a yeah, right and around the so, corner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I think there was a corner because I couldn't see it inside the tube anymore. So, anyways, they they set up the whole test and we as viewers get to see the exocomp. It starts to repair the system. It pauses. It turns around. It starts to leave the tunnel. And then it stops, mm-hmm. it pauses, it turns back around, and it finishes doing what it was doing. So the countdown is going, I think uh, Data's counting it out loud, or maybe Jordy is, I don't know. But the yeah, countdown like 60 seconds, yeah. Yeah, the countdown finishes, and the exocomp hasn't come back yet. So they're like, well, they, the simulated explosion would have happened by now, and the exocomp didn't come back, so the test, they failed the test. They're not sentient. So they're like, call it back. So they call it back, and... um. <laughs> Dr. Farallon is so snooty and so I told you so. And she's just like, well, I certainly expected those results. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have work to do. You know, and she's just so yeah. like so she haughty and justified. Broke her neck, like whiplashing out of there, mm-hmm. <laughs> tossing her head. Yeah. And Data's really puzzled. And we again as viewers are like, but it was about to leave, but then it didn't leave. But you guys didn't see the yeah, hesitation. So like, but what, but exactly. Because you didn't have observable data. Yeah. You failed to notice this thing. Now, 
the exo listen in terms of good science the exocomp could be a million miles away but if you've got cameras on it yeah. or something then that's fine now we're talking mm-hmm. now we're talking but just being like well i'm just gonna send it out of sight and just hope it comes back in 60 seconds oops it didn't okay experiment failed i guess it's not alive bye everybody <laughs> what <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute yeah and beverly i think that this is actually a really bittersweet scene that follows where Beverly comes to main engineering to find data still running the tests late into the night. Like nobody is around in main engineering. It's clearly like fifth test. This 35th yes. test run. Yes. There's not a single soul in engineering, not even the night shift. No, it's like the no middle of there. the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The cleaning crew's already done everything, right? So data, you know, Beverly was like, this is really important to you. And Data was like, well, I'd always assume that I'm alone in the universe, like no sense bringing lo- up lore. Okay. I've always assumed I was like alone in the universe. Um, And I wonder if I had discovered like a progenitor of myself, like at least that makes me not alone. But while they're chatting, the exocomp unexpectedly comes back and they're like, wait, it came back. And Beverly's like, isn't that what it's supposed to do? And he's like, no, no. I recall it. I do a command on the pad and I recall the exocomp, but I was chatting with you. So I failed to do that. It didn't fail the test. It saw right through it. Like it knew it was never in any danger. So it just completed like the task. Yeah. And they know that because the the tool on the outside of the exocomp was not the tool needed for whatever it was trying to fix. It was a totally different tool. And so as he kind of ran a little diagnostic on it, he was like, wait a minute, not only did it fix the malfunctioning panel, whatever we sent it in there to do, but it also fixed the signal with the simulated yes. breach because it realized yep. that that was a problem too. So it it, re- it deleted that signal. So he was like, wait a minute, the exocomp recognized that it was in no real danger. So it fixed that and it fixed the second problem. No one mm-hmm. even asked it to fix. Mm-hmm. So doubled down on it being like alive and knowing everything that's going on. So now you're like, bum, bum, bum. So... Next thing you know, Picard is actually on the station with Dr. Fairlawn and Jordy because she's he's like, Dr. Fairlawn invited me to take a tour of the station because we're reaching that 48-hour mark. So they're kind of giving me a chance to look around. And as, of course, it's going to do, something goes wrong. And things start beeping. Lights start going off. The station starts shaking around. Radiation's about to flood the entire station in like four minutes. So Jordy's like, we need to get everybody out of here now. And, and, you know, Dr. Fairlawn's like, but wait, I think if I push a few more buttons, maybe I could. And Picard is like, has none, no patience for no this No time. No time. No. Yeah. So he yells at her and he's like, that's an order. Get everyone on the transporter yeah. pad. And she's like, okay, okay. So, <laughs> so they're like, he's, he's calming over to Riker. The only thing Riker can understand is blah, 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 blah emergency transport and good thing those are the words he heard because that was the most important part (laughs) so he's like red alert emergency transport get them out of there so they start beaming people up but there's one ensign who's left like in the other room because turns out there's another room so there's one ensign left in the other room jordy goes to grab him picard sees a flash of light and jordy stops responding so he just beams the rest of the team back to the Enterprise. He stays on the mm-hmm. ship to go and get Jordy, which is like such a boss move. I was thinking Captain goes so down awesome. the ship. But man, this is not your ship. It's a station. But he was there for Jordy, <laughs> right? So like he runs yes. in. They find that that instant who was in there unfortunately died. But he yep. and Jordy are still alive. So they're like, all right, we there's radiation is now flooding in everywhere. There's so much radiation. We can't beam back out. So Mm-mm. let's just like jury rig a force field of some kind to keep out some of the radiation from us for as long as it can and give Riker a chance to come and save our bacon. 
So now we have a 23 minute countdown. Love the countdowns. Not really. Hate the countdowns. So stressful. (laughs) So freaking stressful. But so they're, they're like, now we're back on the bridge and it's like options, you know, what can we do to save them? And, and Riker's like, okay, we can do a tor a torpedo or photon torpedo or something. And Data's like, yeah, that's going to take 65 minutes. It's too long. And the Dr. Farallons is like, oh, we can, we can just program the exocomps, put them in the data, in the stream coming from the particle fountain and just rig them to explode and they'll blow up and it'll stop the stream. And so they're like, yeah, great idea. Let's go for it. And Data's like, well, wait a minute, but I didn't get a chance to tell you guys this. Um, <laughs> but turns out the exocomps really are alive. For reals, no. We did another test. Like, for reals, they're alive. It, and they're at, like, like 2 a.m. Everybody was asleep. I was going to tell asleep, you to this Beverly morning. Beverly was there. Yeah. So she can, she can back me up on this. Ask Beverly. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, we're like, no, we don't. No, no, no. Program them. And he's like, wait a minute. If I'm right, they will not allow themselves to be blown up, which I was, I thought that was fair because they won't. Right. He's like, if I'm That's right, they're it. not going to allow themselves to get blown up. To which Dr. Fairlawn responds, well, I'll just unconnect that subroutine before I command them. And you're like, dang it. She's right. Yeah. Like I will just, I will just remove their Damn ability to yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, shoot, she's right. And like, th- there's nothing you can do. So we see them exocomps on the transporter pad about to be blown to smithereens. They're going to get beamed right into that particle fountain stream and then blown up. And then suddenly the transporter systems go down. And so I actually forgot that how this happened. So I thought maybe the exocomps did it. And I was like, oh, they still found a way to stay alive or whatever. But the transporter chief, who's in there is just like, I, for some reason, I can't transport. Everything's locked yeah, out. And I thought, and I was like, dang, the exocomps like shut down the computers, like transport. Like, I didn't even know it could do, like it could disobey orders, but I was like, how is it? Yeah. How is it that? accessing the enterprises like data or whatever? Yes. It was so interesting. And then data's just like, Riker's like, do a diagnostic, figure it out right now. We got to get them out of there. And data's like, that won't be necessary. It was me. I turned it all off. And they're like, what? And then you just see yeah. Riker furious like i you rarely see him this mad and you never see him mad at data and he is going off on data and Data's oh, it's just such like, a good riker yell oh, it's, it's a good rant it's it's a it's a riker has a um jonathan frakes has an amazing timber to his voice yeah which a lot of times you know like if you think about like grandma voice or grandpa voice like they sound kind of old and frail and raspy and stuff you know jonathan frakes this show came out 35 years ago he's still directing he's still in entertainment and occasionally he does cameos and things like that. And his voice is literally exactly the same. <laughs> and I just think it is so freaking cool because he was on Lower Decks as well. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, they it's an animated show. So if you guys haven't checked out Star Trek Lower Decks, it's freaking amazing. It's basically written as a love letter to like TNG to time. TNG so fans, it's, set, yep. it's set in the same time period as like the adventures of like the Enterprise D, right? So they're just like a really small ship that nobody gives a shit about and they're just out there doing whatever but they have him um as the captain of the titan and he has the exact same voice and he's got such a rich deep timber to his voice Mm -hmm. and he's like i gave you a direct order release the transporter now i'll court-martial you right and it's just such a good rant great he's like turning and looking out the windows and he's like data come on and it's actually fun to see him rant with data because data of all people is going to have the least emotional response he's just like you do you won't have any he's basically just keeps saying do what you need to do. He <laughs> was like, you want to court-martial me? That's a good idea. That according to the law, that's exactly what you should do. Yep. And he's just like, yes. come on, dude, they're your friends. You're going to sacrifice their lives and all this stuff. And he's just like, he says, well, I have a solution. Um, I will beam over there myself and I will try to manually override whatever the heck and shut down the particle fountain beam. And then yeah. Riker's like, your, your circuits would not survive. You would die. I cannot allow you to die either. Like mm-hmm. that is not a solution. And Dina says, well, 
but I have a choice. If I choose to sacrifice myself for my friends, then I think that's okay. But the exocomps don't have any choice. Yes. And Riker's like, oh, fine. Well, this is, this is why I think Riker gets one of the big chairs on the flagship. He doesn't have the big chair yet, but he sits in one of the big chairs. And here's why, (laughs) because he knows what questions to ask. He's like, okay, you're talking about having, you know, a voluntary reaction to put yourself in danger. What if we ask the exocomps what they'd like to do? If they volunteer to sacrifice themselves or they have some other plan or whatever, if they go along with the plan, we won't be forcing our will on them. What do you think about that? And Data's like, I guess that that would be satisfactory. Okay. So they put in the command sequence into the exocomps and the exocomps respond by changing the command sequence. They don't want to die, but they may have an idea that just might work. The exocomps were like, it might work for us, right? Yes. And I actually (laughs) love, I love this scene so much because they could, like, they had only thought of one solution, the exocomps detonating themselves in the stream. That was the only solution they could think of. And when they were like, not going along with that, Data was like, maybe they have another plan. And Dr. Farallon was like, are you saying they're more intelligent than us? And Data's like, no, they're just more experienced. They have interfaced with every single part of the station Inside and out, which is more than mm-hmm. anyone else has done, including you, Dr. Farallon. Yeah. So maybe yeah. they have another idea because they have a different perspective because they have different superior experience with this particular station. So they're like, okay. And then suddenly the transporter guy's like, um, the exocomps are giving me new coordinates for where to beam them. And Riker's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, go, let's go with that. Yeah. Whatever they and said. And they're like, it's actually it. inside the station core. And yeah, they were like, okay, go, go. Just energize and see what happens. We're running out of time. Mm-hmm. The exocomps beam into the the space station or the science station, right? On the other side of the force field from Picard and Jordy. And they start siphoning off energy from the particle beam and hopefully the power balance rates something, something Star Trek, right? And it'll be just <laughs> enough to like safely get Picard and Jordy back on the Enterprise. And it works. And Picard and Jordy are like, is there anything we can do to kind of help them? Like, you know, I love to see Picard... Um, and Jordy working together because yeah. you never get to see as, that. You never really get to see that. They're always working as a big team, but also Picard is the captain. You don't see him getting into the, like the technical schematics and the right. nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. And I love that Jordy was throwing Trek terms at him and Picard was picking up right what he was dropping. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like not missing a beat. And I was like, God, this is yeah, so fun. It was really beautiful because Jordy was in charge of the situation. Like it was absolutely yes. clear Jordy's in charge. This is an engineering thing. Jordy's in charge. And it's like, it takes a man like Picard to not have the ego. To be mm-hmm. like, I'm the captain of the ship. You know, yeah, we saw no, that. That's... We saw that. We've seen that in previous episodes, and we'll see that in future episodes of people power tripping to the detriment of everyone. But here, Picard was like, you know, Jordy's like, 100%. set this up, do this other thing, give me the combat. And Picard's like, I sir, right? He's just like falling just in line. Whatever this the hell is, you need. This is yeah. Jordy's zone of genius, and I. It's just beautiful to watch. So the exocomps figure it out. They disrupt the particle beam. Uh, beam. They actually turn it off. And they disrupt yeah. it first enough for Jordy and Picard to be beamed out. And they turn the particle beam off and they try to beam the exocomps back. They only get two. One of them stays behind because one had to stay to really finish up the last little bits of shutting everything down. And it kind of short-circuited itself um, once yeah. it finished, which was sad. But yeah. I felt like, I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys could fix that. The exocomps yes, could probably one, fix it. One, one of them had to stay behind to maintain the stability of the of the power flux because otherwise it was like fluxing out of control or something. So this exocomp sacrificed itself so that the other two could make it out. And I was like, oh my God. They just like they're cute 
factor went up like exponentially after that. I was like, for oh sure, my God. Sure. Because they not only um, are not willing to sacrifice themselves, they're also willing to stick up for one another. And that's just like, it's just yeah. so cool. It's very, and, and they were willing to help save the space station. Like they didn't say like, mm-hmm. F you, that has nothing to do with me. Like you guys are on yeah. your own, which they could have done. They um, easily could have done. Yeah. This easily. Was, this was just great. So the next thing you know, we're in the ready room, all is well. And Dr. Farallon says, you know, I'm going to stop treating them like simple tools. I don't, I don't know if I agree that they're alive, but mm-hmm. I am not going to be treating them like a wrench and a screwdriver anymore. They are definitely yeah. more than that. And mm-hmm. she also says, come back in a year or two, and I bet you will be able to recommend this technology to start a fleet. So I love the fact that she's like, I'm not quitting, and I'm slowing down. Like, I know it's not ready yet, but mm-hmm. it will be ready. And I just, I, mm-hmm. re- I just really like, I really like that. I, I mean, I like that, but also it's like, girl, get off the damn drilling thing and move on to the exocomps. Like, this is the big breakthrough. You know but now, I mean? like, but now that the exocomps are sentient, I don't want her making more. Like, let's just no, no, no. But like, but before but the that, study yeah. of it is like, yeah. oh my gosh. Now, if if the exocomps could reproduce themselves, that would be awesome because then you could just like set them on a little planet or like give them their own little like section of a space station and be like, as long as you're peaceful and we're peaceful together, we can all cooperate and work together and blah blah blah. I can give you all the plasma you can yeah, eat or it's whatever. basically what we see in lower decks the exocomp is yes. a member of the crew yeah yeah and you're like yep that, that totally fits it totally fits it totally tracks it tracks <laughs> and the so exocomp is cute. like the most sassy person on the crew she's like such a jerk but anyways <laughs> um and in the very last scene we see data and picard talking and data's just like i want to explain myself to you and just let you know that i appreciate you as a friend as a person i didn't mean to i didn't want to sacrifice your life but he said i remember when when you were fighting for my rights and and when my you know sentience was in question you were there for me but yes. these exocomps did not have an advocate so i did what i needed to do basically yes. and the cards like that's the most human thing you've ever done i know no court martial for you buddy yeah <laughs> which also, I want to serve with Picard for a number of reasons. One because Picard is the captain of all of our hearts. But like also Picard is that captain yeah. who will balance out your actions and why you did them because you know there are some people who I don't think are really great fits to be captains who are just like, super by the books like give those people like HR jobs and stuff like that right like or super like, by the book like, like taxes the rule or something yeah something where like something you where need you need to be by the, the book yeah mm-hmm. but also like Captain Cisco and Captain Kirk, uh, Captain Kirk no thank you because they will self-destruct shit and have people killed just fucking randomly out of spite and shit. And you're like, wait a second. Like Picard would never in a million years, like would never, by the way, before we get into final thoughts, I told you a few weeks ago and I told our listeners, like we were going into winter break. And as a teacher, I have like two and a half or three weeks off. It has been really restful. It's at the time of this recording. It's almost time for me to go back to work. And I have done what I said. I haven't watched all of TOS, but I have watched a bunch of TOS over the holidays. And girl, I watched, I haven't told you, but I watched like 30 freaking amazing Voyager episodes. And I was like, (gasps) oh my God, there's just so much I want to talk to. (laughs) I'm impressed. Look at, I think that was a fantastic use of your winter break. It really was. You know what? It was like normally during break time, I'm very, um, handsy like yeah, I, I like building things and making mm-hmm. things yeah handsy sounds like i'm some sort of predator <laughs> sounds a little pervy <laughs> she's not yeah, pervy which, she's crafty I'm not, <laughs> which also can sound bad in the same sentence but the point is i like making things with my hands so i do like leatherworking and embroidery and ceramics and like all these cool things that i like doing um and like 
my mom was really sick and got the flu and I was taking care of her. And then I got the flu from her. So I was really out of commission for a while and I couldn't really do anything physical. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm just going to use the time to like watch a bunch of TOS, watch a bunch of Voyager. And it's been such a fantastic journey and I can't wait to like watch more. And that's a beautiful thing is even though I really, really, really hate the Paramount plus app because it just has like a million bugs that need fixing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the worst, but like, but you know what? I have a hope, I have hope and faith that it'll get there. The nice thing is I'm not under a deadline where it's like, oh my God, all of the Star Trek is going to like disappear. Yeah, that's So true. it gets to be this continuing journey. And I got to see some of the like previously unaired TOS episodes, which were so great. It was super fun and just really enjoyed it a lot. So it, oh, it's that's been really, really cool. It's been really cool. Well, yeah, thank you for, really thank you for that update and closing that loop. <laughs> Like that's really cool. And now we now when I have really stupid, obvious questions about TOS, you'll have the easy answer. So I will. This is gonna I will, be great. I'm gonna keep watching them. I actually told one of my good friends, I was like, I am gonna watch all of TOS in these two and a half weeks. And she's like, uh, can't be done. One, because in the 60s, they didn't have like commercial breaks were like 30 seconds long, mm-hmm. right? It's not like the 10 minute juggernauts that they are today <laughs> or even in the 90s, right? And so like a one hour episode really is one hour. It's not oh, 48 wow. minutes, you know? So she's like those extra like 12 minutes will add up if you try to like bitch. Also each episode, there's only three seasons, but each season had like 30 or 33 episodes. It was Oof. a lot. Wow. So yeah, it's basically so it's like, like okay. six seasons of a modern show. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, got it, it really is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you can't do also, do you really want to do that? And there are a bunch of just like in TNG and any other like branch, there's some really bad episodes. So I just went through and found these lists of like top 10, top 20, and I watched a lot of them. They're really, really fun. Anyway, I did close the loop on a loop nobody probably remembers was open, but still. <laughs> um, also off mic, I can't wait to talk more Voyager with you because I did watch all the Voyagers when they first came out a million years ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched them since. And there were so many, like, I didn't remember at all that were totally new and so great. I really, really, really loved it. So yay. The like Trek universe continues to expand in yes. like fantastic ways. And I'm super so. excited about that because as some of our listeners may remember, Voyager is my favorite of the Star Trek series uh, yeah. followed closely by TNG. So I'm super amped to talk about the show. <laughs> Um, okay, so on to this episode, finishing this up. Um, my final thoughts, I actually didn't write any final thoughts, which I realize now looking at my notes in this big blank spot, <laughs> but I have thoughts. I just, I really yeah, like- what are you? What I, are your final thoughts? I really like this episode. I love the technology. I love the sci-fi-ness of it in mm-hmm. the stream of technology. Like we didn't need new aliens. We caught a cool new alien, like Dr. Farrell mm-hmm. was a cool new alien, but we don't know her species or her race or her life story or her planet, any of that. It's just like, she's just- She's just a person. She's just another person yeah. in the universe, which I freaking love. It make, it just normalizes having different kinds of people around. Um, and I love, yes. like, and I also agree with you. I like that this is kind of like the, a twist on the mad scientist where we get a female scientist. And I think she brings female energy to the role. She doesn't seem she as does. like, I'm going to blow up, you know, half the ship and all the sentient sand so that I can drop my stupid egg. Like, she feel, she seems very stubborn but also reasonable yes. like at the end when she's like all right like i don't know i i liked it that was my final thought i really like this yeah. episode uh, you know what? I like this episode more than I recalled because I didn't recall it at all. Um, <laughs> it's still not super duper memorable, but like really I got the meat off that bone. It was like, it's the exocomp episode. That's all and you like, need. it's, that's all you need to know. And it's, it's really fun. It feels like a swap of last week's A Fistful of Data's where it's like more science, mm. less fun yes. story. And last week was the opposite. Um, 
but like overall it was a, it was a good one. And I, and like, if you don't just absolutely fall in love with exocomps and or want an exocomp of your own, then I don't know if you're doing this episode justice. Oh, I thought However, you were going to say then you're a monster. Cause that's what I usually say. But okay, you're not doing the episode justice. That's a better way to say it. You know, it's just usually I realize when I, because I edit the episodes, I realize in editing, I just sound like so much more of an asshole than you. I'm really an asshole. I guess this is just my place to vent and like part of my humor is sarcasm. So I really don't mean most of the things I say. I'm just being silly. But um, so yeah, no, this time you can say you're being a monster and I can just say you're not doing the episode justice. Anyway, as usual, Sharice, I love nerding out with you about this stuff. It's so much fun. Guys, next week we are breaking down Season 6, Episode 10, Chain of Command, Part 1. It's going to be so great. I can't wait to nerd out with you about that. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. See you next time.